We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to jump into the positive from the 23 season individually. And, and what did we see from this offense that, that got us excited? That was fun to watch. Cause look, at the end of the day, there were a lot of games of the 13 that I watched this season, both in person and on TV that I really enjoyed offensively, really enjoyed offensively. And a lot of that has to do with the way some of these guys played. And a lot of these guys are coming back. A lot of these guys are moving on to bigger and better. And that's awesome. But there was a lot to like about this offense, Brian. Uh, no, no doubt about it. So let, let's talk about what went right. Yeah. Well, you just look at the numbers of this offense this year. I mean, you finished seventh in college football in scoring in points per game, 39.2. New Notre Dame record. You finished ninth in college football this year in yards per play, which is second best all time since the end of uh, World War II. You talk about an offense that didn't rank as high in yards because they just didn't have a lot. They didn't run a lot of plays because they were a very efficient offense. You're talking yeah. about an offense that finished only 20, only 28th in rushing yards per game at 185.7, but they were 13th in yards per rush. It's an offense that only finished 49th in passing yards per game, but they finished 13th in yards per attempt, 15th in yards per completion. So there was a lot of good things we saw from this offense this year. And I think the biggest one, Vince, is when they were on, they were what we said they need to be, explosive and efficient. That's what great offenses are. You're explosive and you're efficient. Now, you can you can be, if you have a truly, truly, truly elite defense, as Michigan has shown this year, you can be a, a, a championship contender and not have an explosive offense. Michigan does not have a very explosive offense this no. year. Uh, and and that's been true all season, which is surprising. The but that you you said earlier, last right? year they were very explosive offensively, but they're 112th this year in plays of 30 yards or more, and and last year they were 18th. Okay. But it's rare. You need a schedule yes, like theirs that allows you to kind of cakewalk through the season. Sure, right? That's basically what you need. But Notre Dame did have an efficient and explosive offense when it mattered. And when you want to talk about what didn't go right, it's th- that's where you took a, 
took a step back, but there was a lot of things you saw this year that that rank really well. Like I put attempts per game in there for rushing. They ranked 76 in college football this year in the te- rushing attempts per game. And part of the reason they didn't have as many attempts was because they were a pretty big play offense. You know, they finished 13th in yards per rush. They were 16th in fewest tackles for loss allowed per game. It's a very good efficiency number. They were 26 in college football this year in uh, in ru- rushing plays of 20 yards or more this season. That's pretty good. You know, it's a very good number for Notre Dame. And when you consider that, like, you know, if you look at runs of 32 yard, 30 yards or more, they're ranked 32nd right now. But there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of the teams that are ahead of them have played one to two more games than they have. You know, so that factors into it as well. So this was an offense that could rip off big plays, and it was an offense that was efficient. And and that's the thing that you look at when when they were on. These are the t- these are the things that that fueled a lot of that success. Sure. Was was that right there? Was the fact that they were a team that could go out and rip off some big plays, and they were a team that was efficient. You saw fewer negatives this year from the from the run game than you saw last year. You know, tackles for loss, things along those lines. Sometimes it was because the O line was playing good football. Sometimes because the offensive line wasn't playing good football. But Audric Estime was just <laughs> at times the season was was he just tremendous. Was. He was, and, playing and, good and to me that was. That was probably the biggest storyline for me. Is 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 that like that's the biggest positive that came out of the season was Audric Estime was absolutely out. Just the running back room as a whole was outstanding this year, but Audric was clearly the best. I mean, you know, like, like that. That to me is that's the first great storyline of the season. Vince is you know great kid he'd split carries to logan Diggs last year you know could he be the guy could he last the whole season could he hold up and he comes out this year and he rushes for 1341 yards which is the fifth best mark in notre dame history single season he rushes for 111.8 yards per game which ranks seventh in college football and i think that was fifth or sixth in notre dame history as well he rushes for 18 touchdowns which is third in college football history now keep in mind audrick also didn't play a 13th game i was gonna say yeah Right, and so he has 18 rushing touchdowns this year. New Notre Dame record, finished his third in college football, averages 6.39 yards per carry, which is really good for a guy that's about 230 pounds. And then, of course, he ends his career exactly how – and that's to me, it's like I almost kind of feel like if he wanted to play in the bowl game, I almost would have kind of told him no because, like, dude, there's no way you can replicate what you did against Stanford. Like, dude, that's the perfect John Elway, win the Super Bowl MVP – and right off into the sunset moment for you. You know, the Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl and retiring moment for you, right? That's what that is. Rushes for 238 yards and four touchdowns, both fourth all-time single game, single game records at Notre Dame, or marks for Notre Dame. Just an outstanding season for Audric. And when you know what kind of young man he is, 600-yard games, also seventh best in Notre Dame history. When you know what kind of young man he is, it makes it even more enjoyable to watch. And that's the that's the storyline for me is this is a kid that has not had it easy. I'm 45 years old. I still have my mom and dad around. Thank God. Audrick lost his mom when he was a little kid. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a kid who's had things handed to him in his life. He's had to earn it, but he does it with a smile and he does it with a lot of lot of sweat, blood, sweat and tears. And he ended up having a, a just an outstanding career at Notre Dame. 
And you just, you just love when good things happen to good people. And that's the thing that, that, that I'll take away is, is, and this isn't, it's not that it's not true for other running backs. We're just talking about Audric. And uh, you know, that, that's the big storyline for me. And he's going to end it. He ended his career as one of the more prolific, you know, runners in Notre Dame history. You know, he, he rushed for 2,321 yards uh, for Notre Dame in his career, which looking at the mark, it's the, let's see, it's going to be the, the 11th, 11th all time, I believe in Notre Dame history, but he did it in way fewer games than a lot of those other guys. And so if you look at his 6.2 yards per carry, only two backs ahead of him in the top 10 had more yards per carry than him, George Gipp and Josh Adams. That's it. I mean, Audrey Denson was 5.1. Alan Pink, was 4.6. Vegas Ferguson, 5.2. Darius Walker, 4.7. Julius Jones, 4.8. Jerome, Jerome Heavens, hey, uh, 4.5. Sierra Wood, 5.4. Phil Carter, 4.3. And Audrick did it 6.2. So the point is, if he had the same opportunities as them, he shatters the all-time mark. If he comes back for next season, you know, he's going to be a top five guy, right? And so uh, – just really excited, just really happy for the young man and just a great storyline. And, and, and I felt like Audric was one of those guys that played well when it mattered most. It, he, you know, I thought, I mean, he was huge in the NC state game, huge in that game. I thought he ran really well against Ohio state. He makes the game winning run against Duke and the game. He wasn't getting a lot of touches. He played great against Clemson. I mean, like, his yards won't show at Vince because he only finished with like 87 yards. He had 82 at halftime. They just stopped giving the ball in the second half because the offensive line was getting dominated. But he, you talk about as a whole, your offense didn't play well in big games, Vince. But Aldrick estimates sure did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, my one of my big, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but but for me, 
if I was going to pick one of the one of the players offensively that I was super excited to see have a great year, that's Mitchell Evans at tight end. He was a kid who I always knew he had talent. You know what I mean? But he was obviously in the shadow of Michael Mayer. What tight end wouldn't be? And he played really well in the bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. And and Michael Mayer was like, keep an eye on 88. Like, this yeah. kid can play. And I was like, okay, well, he's throwing, showing his guy some love, you know, sure. that kind of a deal. I was so sick to my stomach when he got hurt uh in in this season he only played eight games obviously not even a full eight games played eight games still led the team in receptions in eight games so that tells you what second season that he had you know what i mean and he was Mm -hmm. only second in yards by about 60 62 yeah right that's it uh behind chris tyree Mm -hmm. so 12 games yeah exactly He, he played eight games 29 receptions 422 yards averaged 14 and a half yards a catch and by the way, some of the catches that he had this season—oh my! Were, the Ohio State I mean, and Duke game, especially, were just it's stupid. Just, it's the highlight reel, man. Like, and you know, he blocked his butt off. I mean, he was a kid that this team is really going to need. Excuse me, moving forward, it's going to stink. He's probably not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Um, but you know, he'll get back and he'll be that guy eventually. Um, but again. Another kid in the long line of tight ends at Notre Dame. And I just love watching that kid play. He is my bright spot for the offense uh, this season. And it, like I said, I my heart just sank when he got hurt and he was out yeah. for the rest of the year. But he was such a security blanket, obviously, for Sam Hartman. Oh, yeah. I thought he blocked well overall this year. I thought he brought it every time. What's funny is his his worst blocking game was probably the best passing reception, like the Duke game. He struggled running the block, run block. Sure. But he was so – I mean, you don't win that game without Mitchell Evans. I mean, you, right. you don't. And I'll be honest, I did not see this coming. Like, Mitchell, like, like coming out of high school. I didn't sure. – okay. like, I'm not, I'm not saying like – I thought he could have a really good year because he showed me last year in the bowl game and at other times and practices and stuff, like this kid's got a chance to be a pretty good player. I didn't see it coming out of high school. I didn't see this. I didn't think he. I didn't think he'd be this good. And it was one of those ones when they landed him. You're like, okay. why are you taking him? Yeah. Like, do you really need a second tight end in this class? Yeah. And then he comes out his freshman year and he plays a lot, but it's more out of necessity. There's all the injuries. He didn't catch any passes. He only caught one pass. And, you know, it's just it's, and you kept hearing from people around the program like, look, this kid's got like day two NFL draft talent. I'm like, okay, I hope so. You know what I mean? Like there's this right. notion people have like, you know, you don't want to admit you're wrong. I'll gladly admit I'm wrong. If I don't, if I, if, a, if I don't think it gets good and he plays well, like that's silly. And that says more about you than it does me that right. you don't think I would do that. This is one of those kids that I didn't see this coming. And, and boy, has he turned out to be a heck of a player Vince? You just hope that he can, cause that's been the big knock on him since he's got to Notre Dame is he's literally missed games all three years of his career. And that's yeah, the thing that, yeah. you know, and, and he's he's had two now, like, injuries that have kept him out of significant portions of the season because he missed a big chunk of last year because he was coming back from the injury he had in the spring. Right. Only played in seven games last that's year. That's right. That's yeah. right. So th- there's a lot of talent, man. There's a lot of talent. And he had to absolutely break out. I mean, if, if he doesn't get hurt, there's a chance he's a, he's another he's one of their other All-Americans. He would have not been first team because that's Brock Bowers is just, of course, clearly first team. But he would have had a shot to be on a lot of those second team All American lists if he doesn't if he doesn't get hurt. 
Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. He was really, really good this season. Yeah. And of course, Joe Walt was phenomenal. This I mean, season as well, right? And the I only mean, reason I didn't come up tremendous. with Joe Walt was because it was kind of expected. Is that, is that okay to say? Like, he was just so steady, so good. And it was just like, yeah, it's Joe Walt. He's going to be an All America. He's going to be a top yeah. 10 draft pick, you know, yeah. and he went out and did that. Like, there, there is something to be said for a guy that can just go out and do it. And, yeah. and and meet the expectations. Right. Um, but that's exactly what he did. He met all of the expectations, I think, that we had for him this well, year as far and, as accolades. Which is so hard to do when you consider how high the bar was. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's almost like he earns unanimous All-American honors. And it's almost like, yeah, of course. Right. He should have. Yeah. Which is so disrespectful because how hard that is. Yes. Like. You know, we talk about how good Notre Dame has been when it comes to producing offensive linemen, and they have. I mean, Liam Meikenberg was a consensus All-American. Mike McGlinchey was a consensus All-American. Ronnie Stanley was a consensus All-American. But, look, I, I really became a Notre Dame fan uh, back in 2000, 1988 is really when I first became a Notre Dame fan, right? And that was, you know, I was 10 years old. That was a long time ago. Since 1988, there have been three, three unanimous All-American offensive linemen in Notre Dame. That's it. Three. Mm -hmm. Aaron Taylor, Quentin Nelson, and Joe Walt. That's it. Like, it was such a tremendous season, but it got so overlooked because it was just kind of like, yeah, of course. It was just the most assumed great (laughs) season ever. And and, And the thing is, sometimes guys can have great reputations, they play good football, but not necessarily great football, and they still get all those accolades. That happens at offensive line a lot. Especially because yeah. there's no statistics to show right. it was a down year. Right. You know, like Caleb Williams had a down year. How how, do, how, do, how can you how can you make that case? Well, okay, here's what he did throwing the football this year compared to last year. You know, he threw for 900 fewer yards, 12 fewer touchdowns, same amount of interceptions, on 120, 112 fewer passes, you know, there's all these metrics you can use to point to right. why he had a down season. Still very good, but why he had a down season. With offensive linemen, you don't have those metrics. Correct. And then when Notre Dame's out here, top 10 in scoring offense, top 10 in yards per play, blah, 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 you're going to give him a lot of credit. But it wasn't because of the reputation. He earned it. He was the best offensive tackle in college football this year. Now, there was like about a two-game stretch where I didn't think he played very well for his standard, but it was more – I felt it was more because how bad the rest of the line played. Duke and Louisville were the, those two games. But I felt like he was he was hurt by just how bad the rest of the line played. Sure. You know, and it impacted him. But, man, after that, he went right back to being dominant, and he was just a tremendous player yeah. for Notre Dame. And earned every 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 accolade he got this season, and he yeah. just did it in such an unimposing manner. You know, just a quiet, do your job, right. calm, baby faced assassin. I mean, that's what Joe Walt is, man. Like I told you a story about Angela saw him at Mission Barbecue, right? And she's like this mountain of a human being walks up next to me, and you know, Angela's not short. She's I mean, she's sure pretty decent height for a female. She's like five six, five seven. She so she goes like this. And, you know, she's on the sideline of every Notre Dame game. So it's not like she's not around large human beings. And she's like, I've never seen anyone that big before. Right. And then she goes, and then I get up. And she goes, it's not what I was expecting to see. Yeah. Right. Like, the face, the face didn't match the body. You know what I mean? Cause he just, I've said this before him and Mitchell Evans, if you only see him from the face above, look like 16 year olds. Yes. I mean, that is a compliment. That. They have baby faces. 
Yeah. But he's just such a – and he became such a more physically punishing player this year. Joe did. And um, he was outstanding. He was he was no definitely doubt. one of the bright spots. And and just overall, too, Vince, looking at the offense this season, just the, the there was a lot of young talent that emerged this season. You know, Rico Flores had a, had a quality season. Not as good as I think some people think it was because he got force-fed the ball way too much. Yes. You know, but Jaden Greathouse comes out first half of the year – Looks like he's going to be a breakout star before the injury. I thought finished the season pretty well. Uh, you know, and then Jordan Faison comes out of nowhere against Louisville. First catch of his career goes for a touchdown. And he was outstanding the second half of the year for Notre yeah. Dame this year. I mean, he he and then of course he finishes the season on a on an incredibly high note. But when you think about it, when you look at the total numbers this year, Jordan Faison finished fourth on the team in uh touch in, in receiving yards. He averaged 16.95 yards per catch and, and was tied for second on the team lead in receiving touchdowns behind Jaden Greathouse, who led the team in receiving touchdowns, and only played seven games. Right. right. He didn't literally play a second half of the, until the Louisville game. Yeah. You know, so that's a bright spot. So, and now you look forward to next year, Faison and Greathouse both come back, and you start getting excited about what they can be. Sure. You know, and then at running back, you know, we saw some flashes of brilliance from Jeremiah Love this season. We saw flashes from Brilliance from Jadarian Price this year, you know, coming back from the Achilles. And people ask me, like, why didn't Jadarian play more this year? I'm like, that's exactly this. The, the, the plan for Jadarian Price went perfectly this year. You hope you don't have to rely on him too much because, again, he's coming back from the Achilles. You don't want to overwork him from a volume standpoint. Get him some touches. Let him show his explosiveness. And he did just that as yeah. a running back and a kick returner. Right. And, and you can and tell so, he was healthy in the bowl game because they let him eat yes, a little bit more. And yes. he was able to make some explosive plays. Exactly. And, you know, that kind of a deal. Exactly. So you're right. Great he, reads and yes, he and peaked so, at the right time. Right. Yeah. For him. And and so your your three young running backs, I thought, were really good this season. And and what we just he'll never get talked about as much just because I love the kid, but he just doesn't have the God given ability of the other two. But even when you look at Jabron Payne, Vince. You know, that that kid did some nice things this season. Sure. I mean, the catch he had on the touchdown against USC, that was a heck of a catch. And the ball was high, it was behind mm-hmm. him. And he went out and made a made a, a tough catch on it. You know, but when you look at we just got done talking about how good Audric Estime was, right? And how how he had a great season and all that. And he did. But the those three running backs, Vince, this year combined for eight hundred and twenty-five rushing yards as as number twos. Yeah. And when you when you look at their their production on the entire season, I'm kind of doing the math right here. Uh, they finished with 1,025 yards of total offense this year. Okay, think about that. Your backup running backs. I'm not even talking about the 300 plus yards that Jarrin J- right. J- Price had on kick returns, and then the 80 plus That's yards that, that Payne and Love had on kick returns. Now you're getting up to like almost 1,500 total yards. Right, but just offense. Those three kids combined for over a thousand yards of offense this season. That's another positive. So you're talking about your backfield, your running backs produced over twenty three hundred yards of offense this season. Just just backs. That's a bright spot. And then you add in the 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 volume of the returning exactly to be sophomore wide Im- receivers impactful. Well, and yes, exactly. You know what I mean? You you right. add that. That's another thousand yards and almost ten right. touchdowns. And that group produced in the in the return game, right? You know, Javarian Price with the big kick return against against USC. That was a big moment. USC had just cut it to thirty one twenty, sure. And a two touchdown, a two score game, 
you know, and uh, again, with the Heis- reigning Heisman Trophy winner, that's that's not a place you want to be. Sure. And Jadarn is like, don't worry about this. I got this. Right. Beep, right. Beep, touchdown. Right. right. So those there's that's the thing is there were so many positives that come out of this season in that regard, Vince. When you look at just the young talent that Notre Dame had, and then of course the vet the veterans, for the most part, the veterans were as good as they were supposed to be when healthy. Sure. When Jaden Thomas was healthy, yeah, absolutely. He was he number was one. He was pretty good this year. He was the number he was one. Pretty receiver. good. Yeah, yeah, agreed. First three games of the year, uh, didn't play well against NC State. Had that drop. And then got hurt the next, you know, the next week, uh, or two weeks, yeah, uh, two weeks later, got hurt against Ohio State. But uh, I mean, everybody has off games. But he was he was four to five catch guy, sixty plus yards. I mean, he was like he he went for the the bowl game was, um, you know, the bowl game was like about the epitome of a Jaden Thomas game, four catches for fifty nine yards. I mean, right. that's who he is. That that that's who Jaden Thomas is. I mean, sure. you look at him before he got hurt, four for sixty-two, four for sixty-three, four for sixty-two, and then he's hurt and only catches five balls the rest of the way, right. and then four for fifty-nine for a touchdown in a ball game like that. It was the most Jaden Thomas stat line ever. You know what I mean? It was just like and dude just does does the that's job. That's who he. That's who he right. is. And that's who they need him to be. Right. You know, next year. Too. Right. So you know, so a lot of the veterans, the returning veterans, did what you needed them to do. Not all. Joe Walt, everything you want him to be, and then some. Audric Estime met and then exceeded expectations. Jaden Thomas, before the injury, did what you need him to do. You know, so those were the positives. Those were the positives. And then, of course, the break, the emergence of the young talent is something to be very. Yeah, and I, I would also say you're all of the production you had from the tight end position all is coming back as yeah. well. And I think that's a positive. No. Too. Not all of it. Holden Stace isn't coming back. Oh, that, I, I apologize. I forgot about Stace. I was I was thinking the I was thinking of uh, I get you. you know Mitchell Evans and Eli Raritan and Flanagan. You got those right. three guys all coming back. You're right. Holden Stace was was an important part of this offense, especially early on. They right. made some really great plays at the beginning of the season. Well, he was huge the in the NC State game. Yes, I mean absolutely. you can't you can't he he was disappointing after that, Agreed. but you can't take away that. I mean. Right. Right. And and if Davis Sherwood comes back, you're talking about at tight end, you do return 337 catches next year. Uh, plus here, I'm going to go. I'm I'm just doing a little bit of math here. You return 37 catches for 510 yards and three touchdowns next season at tight end. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty, uh, four touchdowns. Excuse me. That's pretty good production. Right. Especially when you consider your your dude got only played eight games. Right. This season exactly. So, uh, and they didn't target the tight end position as much after Mitchell got hurt. Correct. So, yeah, to your point, yeah, I mean, there, there, was a, there was a lot of production that will be coming back next season. So right. that's the kind of what went right for Nathan this year. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But again, there's some what went wrongs as well. And that's what we got to focus on too, Vince. And, and to me, I know where the conversation is going to start for a lot of people. It's a quarterback, but for me, it's not. That's not the starting point. It's the offensive line. That to me was probably the biggest disappointment for me, especially after the Ohio State game. Because I thought the offensive line were, played pretty good against – And, and, and they were ascending. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And then just the bottom fell out after that game. Just the next – the very next week was one of the worst offensive line performances I've seen in an individual game since 20, since 20, 2007. I mean, it was that bad. It was that bad. It was worse than 2021. It was bad. I mean, they just got – not only did they play poorly, they physically got beat up. I mean, how many – you see Joe, you see Zeke Carell getting driven into the quarterback. You see Joe Walt get tripped up by his own lineman because he gets driven into the backfield, and then Joe gets put on skates because he gets tripped up by his own guy, and it looks like your All-American tackle got pancaked, but he didn't. He got tripped by his – I mean, it was just – it was the Louisville game. They play terrible. And then you finally get rolling. You hit this big play to Mitchell Evans, and you're down 17-10. That, that gets you deep into Louisville territory, comes back because illegal hands of the face. And you're just like – it was just like that all year. And uh, But the Duke game to me was the beginning of it, and they never really got out of that funk until they put – until the, you saw the changes. Until the, and, and the changes were – by injury. I mean, the changes right. were because of injury, not because of, right. yeah, it's time to make a change because we're not getting it done, which is a little disappointing, I will say. I mean, it's a, it's a little disappointing. You're hoping those guys could get back to the level that they were at at the Ohio State game, but at, at some point, you need to be like, okay, well, clearly this isn't happening, so a move needs to be made. And I would say that I agree with you. Once they inserted those two new guys, now, you had rookie mistakes. Don't get me wrong sure. that there were rookie mistakes. But it, how do I want to say this? It injected a little bit of faith that I might have lost in the development, at least, of the offensive yeah. line. It, you know, from a depth yeah, that's very fair. Vince. You know what it's, I mean? Because I was I worried. Feel- I was worried there for a little while, and and then they 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 insert these two guys, and it's like, oh, okay, they've actually been preparing these guys. They're actually developing these guys mm-hmm. and that was really good to see yeah. and you know moving forward there's going to be some battles on this offensive line yeah. they, i hope there's nothing that's just given moving forward i want battles you know what i mean i want these guys because clearly there is talent and we know there's talent we know there was talent that came in but is it getting developed i think it is yeah well that is why the end of the season changed my view a little bit Sure. Exactly. Yes. Because I thought Joe Rudolph did a very poor job developing the starting offensive line. Right. Very poor job. And Considering I he made some interesting decisions on what who he, was going to start in the yeah, first place. Too. Agree. He should look. Look. Biggest mistake he made all year was not playing Billy Shrouth right yes. away. Agreed. 
he should have had 13 games under his belt. Even if it wasn't as a starter, we said this in fall game, even if you don't think he's ready for 60-plus snaps a game, I understand you need to play him. You need to rotate yes. him in the game. Yes. And the the unwillingness to do that was a, was a mistake. It's disappointing. And you saw Blake Fisher regress. You saw Zeke Carell regress. And there just were a lot of a lot of issues that you had that look like just not developing the, the a, a, a unit that you inherited from one of the best in the business. Yeah. And you wondered like, okay, is he just not the guy? That's a very sure. fair thing to ask. And it really much, it felt a lot like what we saw with the D line last year, which was Al Washington inherits its unit inherits this unit with a lot of dudes coming back. He's got an all American defensive end coming back. I and mean, this guy, this guy, this guy, and he's going to live up to expectate that some flashes, you know, Foskey goes out and he's a consensus all American, but you're like, but his play took a step back. He wasn't mm-hmm. as good as he was the year before. And then you start hearing some things about, you know, maybe there was as much buy-in or whatever the case may be. And then he comes out in year two with younger players, more unproven players. And the D line's just way better. Is that what we're going to see with Joe Walt, Joe Rudolph in the offensive line? I'm right. not saying there wasn't buy-in. It's not that at all. It's you can be bought in, but you're not just going to ignore what you learned from Harry Heastan. So I'm not saying this is like a negative, like there was something there. It's just, but younger players tend to be more locked in with the coach that that's that's new because they don't have the long history that these guys have or the reputation of Coach Heastan. And so things will maybe sink in a little bit more. And and so when you watch the development of young guys like Ashton Craig, Billy Shrouth, and then of course in the bowl game, Tosh Baker uh plays at a really like the the most consistent we've seen yeah, him play. Ever. That's a positive for me. That's a veteran that, <laughs> yes. that played well. And then you see what Charles Jagasalt does. And then you watch the backups come in. And yeah. I saw I thought Sam Pendleton was great. Yeah. I thought Sullivan Absher looked good. I mean, they just mauled like, guys. They yeah. were just mauling guys. Yes. yes. And yeah, so you're yeah. like, okay. The kids that have spent as much time with him as Coach Eastan or more are balling out. So maybe the buy-in is ha- – and maybe maybe it was they were always bought in, but it just took them a while to figure it out. That could be it too. Yeah. But the point is they finished the season well. Right. There's no doubt. And we could have talked about that at the beginning in the first part of what went right. But – there was the too, many, is, too many games it that it wasn't great. way too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, way too late. Yeah, it belongs in my here. opinion. It belongs here as a whole. As a whole, it belongs here. But I would also say from a, you know, if, if we're doing like the uh, stock up, stock down or uh, whatever, however you want to phrase it, I do feel like the arrow is pointing in the right direction, at least going into the offseason from a competition standpoint, from a, you know, if these guys are really going to compete and this is what we saw from, the quote-unquote backups that were the first team, uh, you know, in the bowl game, and then the backups that came in, if there's some legitimate competition there and they're not just going to give jobs away to certain guys, then I feel really good about where this offensive line is trending. Like, they're trending in the right direction. Now, a lot of questions still for me from a who's going to win the job and how they win the job, that that's still a question mark for me. And we'll we'll see how that Boy, goes. We'll have a lot of offseason to discuss oh, that. But 100%, yeah, 100%. Just, you just you you need your offensive line to be better. Absolutely. And we'll talk a lot about quarterback play coming up here in a second. But at the end of the day, in some of those big moments, the quarterback didn't have the time he needed yes. to make the plays he needed right. in some of those big games. Yeah. 
in my opinion. And 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 you know, Marcus Freeman has said we're going to be an O-line driven and D-line driven football team. Well, the defense was great this year. All year. And a lot of that was because of the D-line. And the Duke game was the first time that we saw Al Golden really turn that D-line loose. Agreed. He took a little bit of a step back from that against Louisville, and then the rest of the year he just kind of let him eat, just let him go. And that and it was great. Now the O-line's got to step up and, and be better. But it was just – it wasn't what it should have been considering the experience right. and the talent that they had. Yes. And yes. and um, not that it was going to be like a great Joe Moore award-winning group because I don't think the talent at guard was great, especially Pat Coogan, great try-hard you know, try guy. Zeke Carell's never going to be the guy he could have been before all the injuries, yeah. but he still should have been better yes. than what he was this season. Agreed. Because we've you seen know? him better. We've right. seen him Last better. year, yes. we've seen him better. Exactly. Like the last eight games of last year, he was a much better player. Yeah. So there's just a lot of things that went into it, and the fact that, but the fact is they just weren't good enough. Right. this season and moving forward they're going to have to get better right and of no course doubt. but the next one is the one that people are going to want to talk the most about oh i've got the comment section blocked and i see the number that it's sitting at for new comments i'm curious to see how fast it jumps up you know without even reading the comments yeah. but we're going to talk sam Hartman. we're going to talk quarterback and yeah. it is in this section because i think overall and there's reasons for it and we're going to dive into some of those reasons but he didn't meet expectations Right. He, he, he overall, he didn't meet the expectations that, that we all had and that Notre Dame had. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that he had Sam himself. Had. Yeah, right. absolutely. So but he didn't meet he didn't meet those expectations. So he falls into this category. Right. Now, I do feel like there are multiple reasons for this. Some of them are Sam driven. Some of them are player driven around him. Some of them are scheme driven as yep. well. Um, and coaching driven, right? Yeah, scheme and scheme and coaching to me are are, are very you know similar mm-hmm. category, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can you can take out of each one of those pots uh, reasons for him not meeting those expectations. Yeah, all those ingredients combine one nasty stew. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, oh, that's a good point. I like that. Okay. Yeah, but but Sam Sam's season is the is the epitome of of the Notre Dame offense's season. Yes, when it was good, he was really good. Like some of the some of the comments that we have to our show on Saturday, because apparently we didn't we didn't bow to the altar of Steve Angeli enough in, in our in our show, and it was the best quarterback game we've seen all season. No, like, it wasn't. No, you're showing your bias in that comment, <laughs> and and uh, you're anti Hartman because like Navy, he was brilliant. NC State, he was really good. Central Michigan, he was really good. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, he he starts off bad and then plays great. You know, there were there, Wake Forest. He was excellent against Wake Forest. There were times this year when you're like, that's the Sam Hartman that we thought was coming. And after the first four games, I mean, his numbers were insane. Yes, they were. I mean, he he was sitting there completing over 70% of his passes, averaging over 11 yards per attempt. You know, he had 13 touchdowns in four games and and was just <clears throat> throwing the ball. And he had actually had 15 total touchdowns because he had two rushing touchdowns in four games. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about Heisman. I mean, there's all these conversations that are happening because he's putting up big numbers. And Notre Dame had scored over 40 points per game for four straight games for the first time, like 100 years, something crazy like that, right? And then the Ohio State game happened. And you started to see some of the limitations in Sam against those teams. And then the Duke game happens. And then the Louisville game happens. And then you start to say, and then the final piece, the final straw was the Clemson game. And you just saw that for whatever reason, the kid that we saw last year at Wake 
the gunslinger that would throw the ball and all this other was just not who Notre Dame got. And, and early in the season, it was because the receivers were getting open and he was making the throws and it was just, it was, it was really good. But when he needed to make plays, he just didn't make a lot of plays. And like we pointed out one in the bowl game, this is what's funny about some of the comments is one of the things we pointed out about the bowl game was Steve made some throws that you look at and you're like, that wasn't a great throw. But it was a great throw because he gave his guy a chance to go make a play. I mean, right. as a coach, there's a lot I'm criticizing about the, the ball he threw to Jordan Faison, the second deep ball to Jordan Faison. Ball the placement wasn't where it needed to yeah. be. and But it's like, but I love the throw because he gave his guy a chance to make the play. Right. Sam wasn't willing to do that this season right. nearly enough. And that's what we're going to remember. And then, of course, you know what, the one big knock we had at, at, at Wake was in the big games, he was very turnover prone. And we saw that this year as well. And, and the Clemson game was probably the most frustrating because you're just breaking down that film, Vince, and you're just like, there's dudes open. Mm-hmm. You got to throw the ball. Right. I watched you rip this same secondary up last year for 330-some yards and six touchdowns, and you're just not willing to make that throw. Now, part of it is the relationship. He had yeah, been absolutely. with A.T. Perry for four years. He'd been with Jamal Banks for four years. He'd been with Taylor Moran for four years, Keyshawn Williams for three years, and he'd been in that system for five. And there just was a second nature to it. I get all that. And that, to me, is where I, I felt like the, the job Gino Gadulli did developing San, Steve Angeli a lot like was pretty good. The job he did getting Sam Hartman to play at his best, not very good. And so you've got that weird balance that, that, that we, we need to talk more about. And, and and um like they're, even they're, the, even the Stanford game it's like the numbers were 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 you know four, 10 yards a catch 140 yards on eight completions but it's just like dude there were so many opportunities there for more plays bigger plays yeah. his unwillingness to throw to certain players and his obsession throwing it to others yes and some of it earned Mitchell Evans I get it right I get it I understand you want to throw that guy all the time cuz he makes you look good and every quarterback likes that guy. But then there's the why do you keep throwing to Rico Flores when it keeps resulting in turnovers? You know what I mean? Like I don't understand this. When other guys are open, right? Th- th- those things were just a little puzzling to me. And so he very much signified this offense as a whole. When he was on, dude, he would light you up. But when he wasn't, not only wasn't at championship level, it wasn't even good. Yeah, and that's the thing about the offense. It's it's not that they didn't play championship level in those games. Like you know, you lost Ohio State twenty seven twenty four because you're making. No, you weren't even good in the, you weren't even good in that game. Scored fourteen points, got stopped twice on fourth and one in their territory. That's just that's just not good. Louisville right. game, you were terrible. You know, Clemson game, t- just below average, and a lot of it came down to your quarterback was not able or willing to make plays. And the the play that's going to stick in my craw more than any other was his unwillingness to put his shoulder down and pick up that first down on fourth and one, the first fourth and one. He scoffed out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. He just like stretch the ball out. I mean, just something, something. something. You got to want that. Right. And and that the, that's the one that will always come back to me is the one that you look at and say, did he really, really, really want it or not? I, I don't want to get into a certain person's soul, but the product on the field was one that was like either he didn't want it or he just wasn't capable of it. 
But at the end of the day, it just wasn't good enough. And I, I look back and, and I should have gone with my gut, Vince. You know, my initial thought on Sam Hartman was system quarterback. I don't love the pickup. But then I, you know, got in the film and you see certain things that you really like and you hear how they're going to use them and you're just like, okay, all right, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm on board now. And it, and it wasn't. Now, I still think they should have made the move. He still gave you the sure. best chance to win nine games this season. Sure. Because I don't know that you beat NC State with Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie on the field. I don't know that you beat Duke with those guys on the field. I don't know that you win all the games you win with those guys on the field. But clearly it wasn't good enough to win the games where you where you needed him to put the team on his shoulders a little bit like Michael Penix does, right? And 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 like like a look at a lot of the best quarterbacks, right? Yeah, Bo Nix. They're able to do that. Bo Nix, right, exactly. You know, all those guys. Right. right. And so he just wasn't able to do that. And that's why that's part of the reason the offense just wasn't good enough in the in the biggest moments. Yeah, the line and the quarterback were not. Yeah. What's the one theme? Right, Louisville, Duke, quarterback, O line, not good. Clemson, quarterback, O line, not good. The only exception to that is the Ohio State game because I felt the offensive line played well enough to beat Ohio State that day. Right, I agree. Quarterback didn't, you know, and yep. um, that's really what it boiled down to. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, and you said you know whether he was unwilling or couldn't do it. I mean, to me, he was unwilling. Like they, that's. Yeah. That to me, that's what I saw because I've seen him make those plays. I've seen him do those things, you know, whether it was at Wake Forest or even at Notre Dame at the beginning of the season. I've seen him do those things. Remember those first four games? And you can talk about the competition level all you want. To me, that has nothing to do with the fact that he was spreading the ball around. It's like 11 different receivers a game. Like it was whatever these astronomical numbers were, it, he was spreading it around. He was doing all these different things. And I, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you're willing to do that against team A, you should be willing to do that against team B. And it doesn't matter how good that team is because against team B, those same guys were open and the ball wasn't going there. And so right. for whatever well, reason, well, NC was, State was one of those teams though, Vince, right? And that's what's yes. so frustrating. I mean, it, even with the 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 terrible USC bowl game when, you know, half their defense didn't play, they still finished 20th in college football this year in quarter and in, in defensive passer rating this season and Sam threw four touchdown passes against him in 286 yards. Right. I mean, to your point about early in the season, right. Then that, that, that from Ohio state, it just Just, disappeared, just completely went away. And, and to me, whether it was, you know, some of the injuries that happened throughout the, the wide receiving core. Okay. Like you can make a lot of excuses. You can come up with different reasons, but the bottom line to me, he just wasn't playing the same way that he played at the beginning of the season. Just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I know that he can do it because I've seen it. Whether you talk about lowering the shoulder, whether you talk about taking those shots down the field, you know, I've seen it. I saw it in a Notre Dame uniform. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't see it the second half of the season. And that was the most disappointing thing to me because I don't believe that it was a physical limitation. I really don't. Mm-hmm. It was a mental limitation. And I, I, I don't have the answer to that because I'm not Sam Hartman and I'm not Sam Hartman's yeah. dad. And I don't know those. Answers. Well, and, and, and we've got to be honest too. Like, here's a question. Here's a comment from Anthony Solomon trying to kind of play a little bit, a little bit of devil's advocate. And I, and I appreciate that um, uh, from, from Anthony. So to be fair, uh, Penix is in the offense for a second year. We will never know about Sam and Riley developing due to one year rentals. 
Yeah, but but if you go back and look, Michael Penix threw for forty six hundred yards last year, and Washington went eleven and two. Right, like there's like Washington came out of nowhere. No, Guys, there's a reason I the, the, they're the only team I got right in my playoff picks. They're the only one I got right. I had Notre Dame, Georgia, um, uh, Ohio State, and Washington. Washington. Washington's the only one I got right. Why? They were eleven and two last year. Their lo- biggest losses by eight points. They lost back-to-back games in the middle of the year, and Michael Penix threw for over over almost five thousand yards. It wasn't out of nowhere, but it's a it, this, it, it's a different circumstance because he had been in that system his whole career or right. half his that's career why because he, went he played there. it against him in Indiana. So <laughs> that's why Michael there. Penix being in year two isn't really the comparison to make. And there were also other quarterbacks that have gone to a place for one year and performed well. It's just, I think the lesson learned is going to be if you're going to get a quarterback out of the portal. He needs to be more of a, a natural playmaker that can still make plays if the timing isn't where it needs to be. Because there is some validity to what Anthony's saying is you can only have a relationship that goes so far in one year working with receivers. Sure. That's the reality that. of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is why I think the lesson that they learned was let's go with more of a playmaker. Sure. At quarterback. Because Riley Leonard doesn't always need to be on the same page as those other guys. Because right. he can go make plays with his legs and things along those lines, and so that's part of it too. And and um, you look at a lot of the one year guys that have performed well. A lot of them are mobile guys. A lot of them are guys that can make plays with their legs. Because Bo Nix is another one who had a great first year at Oregon, but again, he played under Kenny D- Kenny Dillingham for a year at Auburn, and so it was a system he was more familiar with. Right than others, so it, it it is a little bit of a different situation. But and then they, of course the thing that didn't help Sam to your point, Vince, is what went on at wide receiver this year. Right, that was probably the yeah. biggest disappointment for me because I had high hopes from for Chancey Stucky me as too. a coach. Well, I shouldn't say as a coach. I didn't like the hire when they made it. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. I was a Jamarcus Shepard guy, but I said, hey, look, hopefully it pans out. He did some nice things this first year, and I had high hopes because of. It was professing faith and things along those lines, which was attractive to me. He was such an incredible disappointment as a coach and as a person, and it impacted the entire. I mean, look, there's there are reasons, in my opinion, there are multiple reasons why the offense just looked like they were playing confident and having fun in the bowl game. There's a lot of reasons for it. Yeah. One of them, to me, is that cancer was removed from the football team. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a big part of it. And I don't want to spend a whole lot time on it. But the lack of development, the lack of playing the right guys, the lack of building up your players, the lack of of building up trust, all the things that are very important to an effective receiver room were all gone yeah. this year. And and I and he's gone. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I'm just going to get pissed off. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad that cancer was removed. From what I've heard of Mike Brown so far, we're not going to have those same issues. This right. is a pro. This is a guy that knows what he's doing. This guy that understands the importance of of the relationship and all those type of things. So that, but that did not help Sam Hartman this season. When you're not putting the right guys on the field in the right spots, when you're not doing what the offensive coordinator asks you to do in the game plan prep, saying when we go to this look, we want this guy here, and then you change it during the game because you want to get your guy in the certain positions. You know that that's going to hurt everything in my opinion. And I'm just glad he's gone. Yeah. To yep. be honest with you. And, and you know, you want to talk about the relationships with the wide receivers, right? And 
when and, and it's kind of piggybacking off of what you just said but when you spend all week working on something and throwing to certain guys and doing certain things and then all of a sudden that's not what you're seeing on game day not making an excuse for sam hartman throw to the open guy but there's a reason that football games are a week apart there's a reason that you work things in practice there's a reason that you do things the way you do them so that you get familiarity so you get comfortable with what you're doing not to get thrown that curveball in the middle of a game like right. it, it, it i know maybe that doesn't sound like it's a big deal to a lot of different people and i okay that's fine but as a football sure. coach and as a football player not a good one but at least one that was there you do rely on familiarity from practice in a game I mean, yeah. you know, the whole you, well, you play how you practice kind of a deal, like that's part of it. One thing that that we didn't talk a lot about, I don't even know if we talked about it at all in the bowl game, also was we'd see Jeremiah Love get in the game and kind of be in there for that series for the most part. We'd see Jadarian Price get in the game and be in there for that series until maybe third down. We saw that more with the receivers as well. Kind of had to, you know what I mean? Uh, that to me, the way that they just rotated guys after every freaking play didn't help either. It didn't help with Absolutely. a lot of the continuity either. Yeah. And, you know, Sam's like, okay, one play, you make this call. The next play, you got completely different skill players on the, I mean, right. that's going to hurt the quarterback too. Yeah. When you're just like mass offensive, I got a new running back, new tight end, two new receivers on the field for my less play. And then I'm going to have a whole new group on the next play. Or two plays later. That's tough to get used to. And they're yeah. very different skill sets. Right. I'm taking out Tobias yeah. Merriweather and putting Enrico Flores or vice versa. Those are right. two completely different players with completely different skill sets. Right. You know, and and it's just it was one of those things where it's just like, man, these uh um Yeah, it was very weird. It was very yep. weird. Yep. Um and, and that's why the guys weren't getting the balls enough. Right. You know, because like we said, look, it wasn't as much as last year, but there were receivers getting open this year and and you know, people tell me that other people say that they weren't. I, I don't really care what other people say. I'm just telling you what I saw, and I've put it on the board. I've put examples on the board. You know, there were guys getting open. The ball just has to come out. But when you don't – but they're not getting open by eight yards. Right. And it's open by two steps against Clemson. Well, that's as open as you're going to get against Nate Wiggins. But if you don't have confidence in your receivers, you're not going to make those throws. And that's what basically what it boiled down to is right. there just was a clear lack of confidence for whatever reason in each other on offense. And that was the thing that if you want to talk about something to take away from what Steve Angeli did, that's that, that's it right there. Yeah. yeah. There was a confidence in the playmakers, get them the ball yeah. and let them go do what they need to do. That's what a quarterback is supposed to do. Yeah. Right. To win a championship. However, you need a quarterback that can also then put a team on his shoulders. And we just didn't see that from Notre Dame this year uh, against the better teams. And that's just basically what it boiled down to for me as far as the the what went wrong. So that's what went right. That's what went wrong. We're going to jump into another part here in just a second, what the future may look like. But make sure you hit that like button, that subscribe button, that notification bell. Share with your family and friends. Give us a five-star review. Jump on the boards right there, boards.irishbreakdown.com for all of your breaking news and, uh, you know, interesting tidbits. That's what we're going to bring mm-hmm. to you.